Welcome to Victory Points. I am Becca Scott, tabletop how-to guru, and this is a podcast about my first and last love, board games. On this show, I get to interview people who work in the gaming industry and find out what games they love and what else makes them tick. My guest, Ross Thompson, is the marketing manager at The Op, better known as USAopoly. He is the founder of Kingdom Con, a tabletop gaming convention in San Diego, and active member of the Society for Creative Anachronism. He's also the undisputed master of the group selfie. Ross, welcome. <laughs> that is the best. How'd I do on the bio? It was good. It was good. Thank you. Thank uh-huh. you. I do my best. All right. Well, later we're going to be talking about marketing and rebranding in the Tabor t- tabletop gaming industry. So uh, first, I need to know, and the listeners need to know, more about you, Ross. Let's do it. The most important question, what games did you play as a child? Okay, so games I played as a child. uh, So my my family was very big on board games when we were growing up. That makes sense. Right? So uh, we played a lot of the classics. So we played a lot of uh, Risk and Monopoly. And uh, we, my dad was very sure to kind of put in this thing of uh, Thompson's family rules when we played games. Oh. So when we played Monopoly and Risk, you had to roll into the box top. And you had yep. to roll the right amount of dice. And if you rolled the wrong amount of dice, because in Risk you can defend or attack with you know different amounts. Sure. So if you rolled the wrong amount or if the dice hopped out of the box, you automatically lost. You can't re-roll something nope. that falls out of the box? No, 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 you couldn't. What? Yeah, yeah, so at a very young age, I was like, oh my gosh, you gotta roll the right amount and you've gotta be focused. There, <sighs> there were a few times too in Monopoly that he uh, he had me, I, he didn't have me, but he offered up to have me pay the wrong amount for different spots on Monopoly boards. So he'd be like, oh, if I land there, I'd go, oh, 200 bucks. And I'd be like, okay, uh, I'll just uh, pay uh. it out because I wasn't paying attention. That's only two two houses, not three. That's right. You yeah, don't have yeah, a hotel yeah. there. Uh, so he was teaching you essentially that the world is cruel and unforgiving. I think and be that's careful. what he was going for, right? Or just trying to win. One of the two, life lesson, dad trying to win over daughter. You know, th- you know, it's all good. So Was your dad usually the winner of said games? Uh, it, it definitely changed around because like mom played two and like, my brother, and my sister, we all played board games. So we did a lot of that. Uh, we also played a lot of aggravation. The Milton Bradley little, uh, you're hopping around with uh, little little marbles on a big board. Oh. Um, we played a lot of uh, um, Jumanji. Did you ever play Jumanji, the, uh, yes. the board game? And that was one where you had the little... Uh, Speaking of licenses. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we also played a lot of Grape Escape. Grape Escape? Yeah. So it, in Grape Escape, it was a Play-Doh game. And so <laughs> you had to make these little grape people and you'd move around. It was a roll and move game. And uh, if you were on the wrong space, that you could have to squish your little grape guy, and then you'd, you'd ah, so then you'd have to get um, make make a new one, and then start at the beginning and do all these things. But you could mix and match because they gave you the little mold for your grape guy, so you could mix and match different colors and do all these things. But it was a little Play-Doh grape game. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I loved Play-Doh as a kid. Did you ever have those? So Play-Doh and McDonald's also had a collaboration and you could buy these like make your own McDonald's happy meals at oh, home. Man, what? No, no way. That sounds awesome. Maybe it wasn't with Play-Doh. Oh, no, it sounds like children they do. shouldn't eat Play-Doh. Mm. Now I'm remembering it had nothing to do with Play-Doh. Okay. So it's way off topic. Fair enough. <clears throat> well, I have a timer today, so uh, I won't get too off topic with those no, it's McDonald's all good. things. That's funny. Um, 
So through your work in tabletop marketing for various publishers, because you're currently with the op, but you had been with them before. I have. You, uh, years ago, you are with Simon. Yep. More recently with IDW Games, yep. which is the gaming branch of, of course, the comic book publisher IDW. Mm-hmm. Um, you have become very much to me at least, a connector of tabletop people in Southern California. And if I meet someone involved in the industry, they more often than not know Ross Thompson. So um, do you see yourself as having a role in bringing people together around games? I do. Uh, And I would say that would be for uh, playing games or helping out in the industry. Um, I I love being able to network and uh, bring people together, whether if someone has, like, if they want to pitch a game, like knowing who to, hey, we should introduce you to this company. If somebody wants to get a job in the gaming industry, at least helping them along the way. Uh, I, I help admin a tabletop games jobs Facebook group as well. So you're like a shaman for games. I don't know if shaman's the word, but I definitely might have a staff that I shake on weekends, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of staffs you shake on weekends, what the <laughs> heck is the Society of Creative Anachronism? So the Society for Creative Anachronism for is, creative. For, is a uh, medieval recreation uh, club that's been around since the 60s. And so it's where the whole world is split up into 20 different kingdoms. And then um, there's big wars, and there's day events, and there's essentially like you're creating the Middle Ages uh, on the weekends. And it's one international organization, so right? There's one giant club that, that kind of like runs everything. And then within each uh, part of the U.S. or Europe or Australia or Canada, there's different kingdoms you can participate in. And so in Southern California, we're part of the Kingdom of Kaid. Mm. And uh, our colors are uh, blue and white. Our heraldry is three crescents. And every six months, there's a crown tournament, and that person who wins the tournament becomes king. Um, and then there's big wars that we fight at. So we j- I just came from Australia War a couple week- weekends ago. Which Have you that- ever beca- become king? So I haven't. <gasps> oh. But there is a crown tournament coming up in uh, at the end of the month, and so I'll be competing in that. But it's sort of... Um, oh, what's the word? You have to play honorably. You so, know? so yeah, yeah, yeah. do people cheat and do they become king that way? Well, so that would be very unchivalrous. Mm-hmm. And of course, people wouldn't do that. But um, it is definitely, crown tournament is definitely a harder fought tournament, right? So in SCA combat, um, you've got your sword, your shield, your two-handed sword, whatever you're going to fight with. And if you get hit hard enough where you think you would be dead, you say good and then you die. So you, so you yell out the word good. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. yeah. Ha, Valhalla. And then fall over and die and all that. And yeah, yeah all those kind of Do you of like things. to make dramatic noises when you die? I am not the best at dramatic noises, but I had been some pretty good fall over deaths. So. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever injured yourself severely by falling t- for your death? I have not, but I had someone fall on me one time and we, he was like, Timber. And I had to like make sure he didn't land on my hand, right? So, <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I love that so much. Okay. And uh, the other thing that we should mention from your bio is Kingdom Con. Yes. You created a convention, which I think at its height had, what, 1,200 people? About 1,200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this year's going to be our 10th year oh for Kingdom Con, which is going to be very exciting. And so it started uh, 10 years ago, and we had, it was about 200 people. And so I used to volunteer for Privateer Press. Um, I was a press ganger for them, and they, they make War Machine and do the Iron Kingdoms role-playing game. Mm. And so uh, in high school and in college, uh, I would play at the game store with my core group of friends. And of we'd play, play War Machine. And when they went off to college, I was like, oh, I want to keep hanging out with them. But one of the reasons more to drive up than just getting drunk, because they, they went to UCR and UC uh, Irvine. 
as I was still down in San Diego. And so I became a press ganger for Private Press, and I would run tournaments all over Southern California. So you could have an excuse to make your friends come visit you? Or go see them, right? And so I was running tournaments in LA, I was running tournaments in Vegas, and then I started running tournaments in uh, Arizona. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, we're running, we're running tournaments all over Southern California. I've got a regular league going on. And you were about 19 at this point? I was about point? 19, and so 1920-ish. And so I went to a convention on the East Coast called TempleCon. And I heard about it through our, the Private Press forums, because we all used forums back in the day before Facebook kind of became a thing. Of course. What was that, right? And uh, it was awesome. It was this steampunk tabletop gaming convention that was just a nice mix of it had it had War Machine, it had Warhammer, it had D&D, and it had a whole cosplay aspect to it. And I'm like, oh, man, this is great. Let's see if I can do this. So uh, I came back, and then uh, we had run this big tournament in L.A. called the SoCal Smackdown that pulled about 35 people, which had been one of the biggest tournaments we'd ever held for War Machine. And so we're like, let's get a con together. And so I got some friends together, and we essentially did Kingdom Con at the town and country the first year. We had about 250 people, and it was just a crazy event. Um, a lot of weird stuff happened. I always joke that I learned more about how to do marketing just on the on the rev up for that than I did at all college and everything else. Like everything bad that could have happened happened, but we all came together and had a great time. And so then the last nine years we've been at the Crown Plaza in Mission Valley, and I've had a whole bunch of friends all help out on the staff. A lot of good people help out with the different uh, kinds of games we have. So we've got different people that are helping out with historical games and miniature games, along with role playing games. And we have a whole uh, big... Well, those are your three favorite genres, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Historical games, which obviously, Society of Creative, for Creative Anarchism, yeah, yeah. you're a big fan of the historical, and RPGs, right. and miniatures, because I know you're a big fan of Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And so we have the Broadside Bash, they come around and do their big event. Uh, we've also had Jason Painter, who runs Drunk Quest, and we do a big Drunk Quest event there as well. Uh, so, I heard there there was some there was a bunch of kegs stacked one year. Uh, there may have been a bunch of kegs <laughs> the, that we may have drank through relatively quickly. In in, in tandem with a scavenger hunt of some there kind. There was a scavenger right? hunt too. Yeah, yeah. And we do like a big fancy Friday on Friday night. Everybody dresses up really fancy and we do oh. a big photo shoot and do all that. And so what's cool is about Kingdom Con is it's a giant community event and everyone helps out with it. And so while I am like the face of it all. It's everybody else that helps bring the different aspects of it together, which really kind of creates this awesome experience. Oh, and look at you giving credit. But you, you are the one that brought all these people together. I, it to was do definitely the madman behind the hey, let's do this thing, right? So, and here we are. Well, I love that War Machine seems to be, aside from, you know, monopoly and risk of younger years, seems to be the thing that really drove you into making tabletop marketing part of your career and your life. Uh, do you still play War Machine? So I don't play it as much anymore, but I follow it all the time. Oh. And so it was my first job in the gaming industry. So after volunteering for them for multiple years, uh, and then I started working at conventions with them too. So at Comic-Con and Gen Con and a couple other ones, PAX, just doing demos for hours and hours and hours. Um, they were hiring for a retail support position. And so I ended up getting that position in... I forget what year that was. And then I ended up going up to Seattle and went and did that first, uh, drove right up, moved up there, got the job. And I worked there for about six months. Uh, and it was a really fun time. It was good. I got to really dive into the experience. But uh, Seattle really wasn't what I was looking for. I think born and raised San Diego, it's kind of hard to be in the uh, overcast weather the whole time. Unlike uh, California lately. right now, I know, believe we've me. We've had three months of nothing but rain. It's been great. <laughs> 
So uh, I ended up uh, leaving that job, uh, which was, I really enjoyed it, but then I came back down. And uh, so the, the league we were doing is called the SoCal Beach Thralls. And so we were really little, Mechanothrall was like one of the main little zombie guys in War Machine. And so we gave him some beach shorts and a flip flops <laughs> and a surfboard. And that was the logo for forever, which was super fun. Um, so, can yeah. you encapsulate for me, because I've never played War Machine. All I know, it's a role playing game and that's it. So uh, can you tell me a little bit more about Yeah, so, for, so, uh, so Private Press makes a couple games. So they do War Machine, which is their main game. And it's based in the Iron Kingdoms, which is a giant steampunk world. And so in War Machine, you've got a war caster, which is like a battle warlock who's got magic points. And those magic points control warjacks, which are giant robots. Ooh. And so there's all different kinds of factions in this world, like Signars is, is the main steampunk tech guys. And then there's Kador, which is kind of like the Russian tech. Uh, and they've got all big giant machines, like almost tanks and stuff like that. And there's Menoth, who are the, the religious fanatics. And there's Crix, which is like the undead pirates controlled by a giant dragon. And uh, so they're all competing to be the, like the ruling faction on the world of Imarin in the Iron Kingdoms. And so along with the a miniatures game they have, which it's pitched to be more kind of like a skirmish game. So you'd only need a warcaster and a few warjacks and maybe a unit or two compared to Warhammer where you're building your giant army. Right. And they also have another game that accompanies it called the Iron Kingdoms, which is their role-playing game. And so I see. it became, they became a rather large company because when they first started, uh, they were actually a 3.5 supplement off of D&D and they had a whole series called the Witchfire Trilogy. And there was the this witch Alexia who had this sword which had her, her mother's soul in it, and um, it, you were running through a giant uh, warjack, which was like one of the bigger ones, like it was a colossal, and it was like a big city almost. And so the main module had you in the Iron Kingdoms running through this giant uh, robot trying to get out and fight off all the bad guys. And so the, from there it grew into a much larger company. So oh, kind of, awesome! Kind of cool. Now you mentioned. I think you have an uncanny tact when it comes to stepping away from a company and leaving those bridges unburnt because you seem to be this person that can float around and everyone knows you and everyone welcomes you back in with open arms when you move around. What would be your advice for how one navigates that? Because you're someone that's always moving and can never never be kept in, in one place for too long. Well, I'm hoping to stay uh, for a while where I am now, but I, I, I definitely agree that I have traveled a lot in, <laughs> in the last, uh, in the last, in my, through my career. Well, it's and part of what makes you an asset because it's part of how you know everything that there is to know about every part of the industry. It's, it's very fun. I, I, there are definitely a lot of moving parts and it's been neat to see kind of how the travels all evolve with that. And I would say that one of the biggest things is to be positive, uh, realize the industry is very small and um, no one likes gossip in, in talking bad about things. And while you may have a bad experience or four, you know, it's, it's good to realize that there's, there's circumstances that, that came to that. And as long as you want to keep on that dream and keep on that passion, you can you, you can succeed whether you are leaving a company or not. And so I've found that uh, necessarily blindly being positive, but realizing that, you know, I had a good experience where I was here. I really enjoyed my time. But now at this crossroads, it's better for me and then ultimately for us, for me to part ways. Right. And so I would hope that everywhere I've been at, I've left them better than I found them. And then from then on, I can continue to be a resource or an asset, whether they, they need it or not. And so I've enjoyed being able to kind of go from uh, a volunteer that ran miniature games to now working at, you know, one of the top licensed board game companies. So it's been kind of cool to see how that evolves as it goes. And uh, 
just like remaining positive and being friendly and being helpful is really good. Well, I think you definitely do that. You make friends everywhere you go, and I think you do a great job of leaving things better than you found well, them. Thank you, Becca. We're just going to take a short break and come right back to talking to my guest, Ross Thompson. Welcome back to Victory Points. I'm sitting here with Ross Thompson, That's marketing good. manager at <laughs> The Op formerly USAopoly, and I want to talk about what you guys are doing now at The Op. So USAopoly started 25 years ago now because you guys have just rebranded for your 25th anniversary, and it evolved out of licensing different versions of Monopoly for Hasbro. Um, So how has this rebranding to The Op come about, and what role did you have in all that? Because I know you came on board just before that happened. So USAopoly's been around for 25 years, and they have got their start, and a lot of their bread and butter is making really quality co-branded games. So with Hasbro, they've done Monopolies and Clues, Yahtzees, and so on. Um, But along with that, there's also been a staple for really good party games as well. And USAopoly's been one of the driving forces behind some really cool games, such as Telestrations, and Tapple, and there's some other ones too that really kind of fit that awesome family fun vibe. Plus the After Dark version. There is an After Dark version, it's true. Um, that glows in the dark. Mm. And uh, and really creating a good like, memories and experiences, and they really like doing that. And so um, one of the cool things that USAopoly is looking at doing this year and going forward is really expanding uh, where they're offering their games, uh, what kind of games they are making. So along with making really high-quality licensed co-branded games, um, we, we've expanded more into doing more party games and uh, games such as uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle yes. and Thanos Rising, which are all our own signature you know, game engines. Mm-hmm. And so uh, working to establish that, hey, along with everything you know and love from all your favorite clues and monopolies, we also do, you know, these great licensed games, which are very unique to us. And at the same time, we can keep offering more and more of those. And so the op is a great way to keep the kind of opoly to it, but allow us to expand, maybe sell internationally and um, just celebrate more of the cool licenses and games that we make in-house. Yeah. So, so has that been a struggle for USAopoly to continue doing what has made them be such a, a big player in the game industry, but also break out and do your own game engines? Has that been a struggle or has it been like totally what made it possible to create your own game engines? Well, I think what's been really neat is um, one, like, so far the games that we have made have been a, a, a true success. Like uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle has been awesome. It's been loved. People love playing it. It's a great game. I love playing it. Yeah. It's super fun. You can dive deep into it. It's good for beginners, and it's good for the hardcore gamers as you get deeper into the game within that. And then uh, last year with Thanos Rising, you know, it's another great game where it's you're, you see Marvel and Thanos, oh, it's for the movie. So uh, I think a lot of the times people used to think, oh, a licensed game is just a slap on. But when you play, you're like, totally, right? And But uh, that game is excellent, and it's awesome. And who knows what may come out more with engines like that. Uh, so it's really going to be kind of exciting to see as we grow with the op and see more of the games that kind of evolve out of that. Well, speaking of, it's not just slapping an IP onto a game. Um, I was recently talking to uh, our mutual friend, Pat mm-hmm. Marino, who was the developer of Court of the Dead, Mourner's Call, as well as uh, I know he worked on Rick and Morty. I believe it was Risk. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
what you guys have been doing, it seems, is really incorporating adjustments to mechanics and specific cards and effects that are related to the IP property because you guys are so heavy in the IP property Correct. world. So uh, how, how are those incorporated and what are some examples from, say, Rick and Morty um, um, Risk. So like with games like Rick and Morty Risk or Call of Duty Risk or a couple other ones like that where you can really kind of dive deep, what's fun is we just kind of celebrate the license with it. So it's not, you're not just going to play on the world board and do Risk with you know Rick and Morty pieces. Like you're going to take the different factions that are in Rick and Morty and you're going to be able to play around with them and kind of with, with dimension diving and all kinds of cool cards. And so while it is a Risk game and you do have your faction, you're moving across the board trying to take over these things, there's so many other little items and quests and abilities you can add in, which make it its own unique game, which is very fun. Uh, we had just done a whole thing with the Call of Duty Zombies, where uh, you're, you are playing you know, Risk and you have your different zones you're trying to control, but you've got your little individual heroes that are off doing their own little stuff, while at the same time the zombie horde is coming. And so you need to be able to fight that off and control or maybe, you know, put people in the way of that. So now the other faction has to deal with that while you get their stuff and all kinds of cool things. Oh, very cool. Added elements to make it more interesting because there were not originally factions in Risk. Well, there were the colors, right? But but it's not the same as you're playing as Europe or you're playing as Russia and so on. Are there player powers? Uh, Uh, For for, for certain games, totally. And within that, and like um, there's a, we ended up doing a a Marvel, uh, it was a Marvel... Um, risk where you're on the helicarrier and so you're playing as the different characters for it was the age of ultron one and so you're playing as mm-hmm. iron man and thor and you know captain america and you're trying to fight off all the different ultron robots that are coming on while at the same time there's a hulk meter happening so no one's playing as hulk but then once hulk meter hits oh. then he hits the board and starts jumping around and doing all these things all on the helicarrier spaces and you're trying to fight <laughs> that off which is pretty neat oh i love that okay so Risk and Monopoly are games that I love, and when I ask people what games they played as children, most often those are the two that are mentioned. Yet they're mentioned with this sort of an eye roll, because as avid gamers, we play so much else. I know that you're with me and that these are still great games. Totally. so how do you defend it to gamers that would try and poo-poo on these things that that all other gaming has evolved from? Well, I think one of the cool things about classic games, and I like referring to those as classic games, is um, they are they are always consistent and they will always be relatively the same thing that you love. While risk will change and while the clue board may get new art and new characters and these things, there's still, it's a good roll and move, it's a good hangout time. Some people don't really want to dive deep into a new game. I think one of the problems we have right now with the modern gaming renaissance is almost every game night is almost learn a new game night. <laughs> yes. Right? That's always a problem in my house because my husband will just say, can't we just play Carcassonne when I pull out a rule book? Yeah, right. And Which is which is great. And we can all, you know, the, the how to plays that you do are wonderful. And Rodney has some really good ones too where you're like, hey, I just want to hop in Rodney and Smith this have game. watched it played. Correct. A genius gentleman. And those are awesome, but at the same time, you just want to sit down and play a game for an hour or two. And I think one of the fun things about those classic games is they do that. And with a lot of the licenses, you kind of get to celebrate it. I think one of the fun things that we got to do was with the Bob's Burgers uh, clue, <gasps> yeah. uh, the Bob's team wanted to be very, very hands-on with it. And so we were like, that sounds great. Let's do it. So they did all the art. So they almost cool. did the whole game for it. And so it, it feels like an episode. So all the art is original. <laughs> 
for the Bob's Burgers clue, which I think is very, very cool. So things like that are great. Also, one of the main things I don't think people realize about a lot of the classic games is those help keep our local game stores. Oh, um, right. You know, like along with D&D and Magic and, you know, Games Workshop stuff, all that are staples for those game stores. There's still a lot of family members that go in. They don't even know what the new best modern game you want is, but they do know that you like Rick and Morty and they know that you play Risk growing up. So getting a Rick and Morty Risk is fun and it looks cool. Absolutely. So thinking about keeping your friendly local game store open, it seems that party games are what has entered the mainstream more than anything else, like your Cards Against Humanity and what have you. Maybe something like Secret Hitler. Codenames is getting up there, which I see you guys we are do. licensing, which is awesome because it's like Monopoly, Clue, Risk, Codenames. Yeah, and Codenames cool. has been really good for us. So we, we've got um, one of our main flagship games right now, I would say, is Disney Codenames. Very cool, yeah. Uh, which just got into Target. And it's been doing a lot of other places very well. Uh, we just released our Harry Potter Codenames too, which is based yes. off Codenames Duet. Uh, who knows what we'll have later this year for Codenames. And so it's a really nice co-brand. We can work with CGE on really doing a lot of really fun ones, which is pretty exciting. Love that. Actually, this was not the point I was going to make, but oh, um, yeah. Codenames has been one that I have said, okay, this is going to be the one that stays on the shelf oh, because yeah. of the renaissance mm-hmm. that we've mentioned and that we all know about if we're on listening to podcasts like this. Right. Um, Codenames is one that I'm like, this is one that's going to really hit the mainstream and stay on that shelf next to everything else. Um, so it's so funny that it's one that you guys have picked up because you guys are the the litmus test of what, what right. will it, be or is currently a classic game. Yeah, and co- it's it's been a lot of fun. We have a, a Marvel one, too, and there I think the – I, I can't say what's coming out, but it's, it's Codenames <laughs> is, is – uh, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Um, What I was going to say is with party games and and bringing that into the mainstream, should it be our goal to make more strategy, heavier games part of the mainstream, or should we just be content to let the the muggles know about (laughs) these party games? So that's a good question. And I think one of the cool things about gaming right now is there's a game for everyone. And while we always want to, you know, play Twilight Imperium, or show off the next big heavy dungeon dive game or the next big card deck building doing these things. There's a lot of fun in having, like, we just came out with a game called Blank Slate uh, and it did really, really well. It sold out for the initial run and we're, we're bringing, we're, you know, we're, we're continuing along. And it, it's a game where there's a card and it's got like a blank and then a word like bird. So blank bird. And you've got to write a word that will match with that. And you're trying to match with someone else around the table. And if you can match with one person, you get three points. If you match with multiples, you get uh, one. First person with 25 points wins. Is it Family Feud that I'm thinking of where you're trying to see what's the most common answer? Yeah. Relatively, right? And so, but you want to get most common, but like adjacent most common because you don't want to have multiple people getting it. You want to have just one person match with you. Mm, so you get the points, not everybody. Yeah. And mm. so we're with games like that and then our Telestrations game, which will be celebrating its 10th anniversary next year. Very cool. Love with, Telestrations. Right. And uh, so there's, there's a lot of these party games that are very, very fun. And like we can look at what's in wagers. And there's a couple other big ones. You're like Codenames, for example. It's like, well, Codenames is probably one of those fun ones where it kind of hits the the middle ground of it is a gamer game along with being good for mass. Yeah. And so I don't think we need to overload our muggle friends <laughs> with uh, so much heavy games, but there are definitely some games that I think are good uh, gateway games without referring to it as a, oh my gosh, now that you've played this, now you have to play this. It's more of a, 
you know, look forward to the experience of exploring these games, like if we do Carcassonne or Ticket to Ride. Or I just replayed Pandemic for the first time yeah. in a while. Great. Totally. Uh, cooperative gateway game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of fun we can do with that. But while at the same time we're, we're looking at, you know, sharing more games with people, there's also a whole other sect of gamers right now that are looking at doing solo games and roll and writes and all these things. So the, the gamer gamers that really want to dive deep on these, on these deep games are finding their own outlet as well. And so it's nice that we can kind of explore um, these fun party games while being able to have a nice in-between. So you're telling me not to yuck people's yum. Uh, a little <laughs> bit, right? Um, but I think there's a good mix to it. I, 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 last time we played the Great Western Trail. Oh, right? yeah, which, which is the crunchiest game I've ever been allowed to bring on Game the Game. And uh, you were the person I called to come on that show. It was, which I had a blast on, right? And we had Jason on there, too. Which Jason was Charles Miller. Mm-hmm. Super good. And um, I think what's, what's fun about that game is that's a nice, like, it's not overly bearing because it's, it's a good point salad kind of thing going on. Yes, it's a long rule book. It is a long yes. rule book, but once, <laughs> but once you get the Id- initial idea down, you're good to go. But that could be one for gamer gamers. I hate using that word, but uh, you well, know, hobby gamers. There you right? go. And yeah, I like uh, that. so for, for the hobby gamers that want to play that, that crunchy game, that's one that kind of fits that boat. And so it's neat. Like I would say Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle without pimping our own stuff the whole time. Like that's a good way to get into deck building without having to get too deep into it because you can start with that game one where you literally just defend Hogwarts, buy the thing, go Dumbledore helps you out, you're good to go. Unlike in game seven where you're trying to do that while defeat the Death Eaters and then manage Hogwarts to be safe and so it gets a lot more crunchier. We should is. describe to people a little bit. So oh, sorry. It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Hogwarts Battle is a deck builder mm-hmm. in which there are seven episodes, chapters? Um, there are, there are um, I think there's eight. Eight, okay. And so there's eight books within the game, or eight games within the game. And you could just play game one over and over. You could. And that's co- it's pretty cooperative on that end, right? Yeah, very, very cooperative. Mm-hmm. And But then it gets crunchier and crunchier as you so go. So each, each game gets added into it. And so essentially it's each movie is getting added. So you're getting more characters, more villains, more items, all from each game. And we all know a first-year Hogwarts student doesn't have anything on an eighth-year Hogwarts student. Oh, they student. don't. It's true. <laughs> I'm listening to the audiobook of Goblet of Fire right now, which is oh, before. That's fun. Yeah. I, I was I was re-listening and then I slowed down a little bit, but um still such a great property. I love Harry Potter. But you see the complexity that comes in, so I can only imagine I've only played game one uh and game two of, of Hogwarts Battle. But Yeah, about game four is when it revs up. Ooh. Yeah, which is fun. Just like in the books. That's right. Look how it mirrored that. It's almost like IPs are your guys' specialty. It's our jam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the non-the op games that you've been most excited about lately or just stuff you played lately? So games I've been playing lately – um, so I already mentioned Twilight Imperium, which which we love, which we on love, this and, and I, and it, which is great. Uh, along with that, um, I've been playing a lot of Race for the Galaxy lately, oh. and so that's a uh, tableau building game where you've got your uh, different cards and you're trying to race race to essentially uh, get twelve cards out while getting the most points. It's a point salad ish kind of game too because you've got different cards you're playing down uh, that can. 
uh, get you victory points or get more military points. And, and Just in case we haven't described what point salad is on here before, point salad, I would say that the number one most common um, example of this would be Seven Wonders. Mm-hmm. It's a game that usually comes with a little score pad that gives you maybe 10, 8 to 10 different categories in which you can score points. And then you kind of don't know who's winning until the end. Right. Yeah. And I, so I, I was going to bring up Seven Wonders next. We, we, we actually played it in the office the other day. I just uh, played Duel, and it's excellent. Oh, cool. I have yet to do that. Uh, it's, it's you know, two-player Seven Wonders. Right. Um, but you guys played in the office? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we, we do play a lot of games. And How'd you do? What'd you focus on? I, I, ended, I ended up winning, uh, which I didn't think I was going to win, and I went all victory points. So I just went blue. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, I was, I was surprised that I pulled it off, because there was some heavy science and military stuff going on, but... Keep it simple. Keep it simple. (laughs) I love that. Um, So Race for the Galaxy, I kind of interrupted you on. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've really been enjoying that. Um, My my roommate enjoys playing Roll for the Galaxy more, which is essentially the dice version of of that game in the same world. Yes, I've done something very cruel to that game. Oh, have you? Well, it was... A joke how to play I made before I even did the how to play series for Geek and Sundry. And uh, I just wanted to make a video uh, that incorporated things I love. I essentially sat there with the rule book being like, I'm going to teach you how to play this game. So this goes here. No, wait. Oh, no. But there's dice and I don't know. And And, uh, when Geek and Sundry saw that, they were like, do you just want to do a how to play series? So uh, I have Roll for the Galaxy to thank. Oh, that's great! For all my success. Yeah, so that ge- that game's a lot of fun too. And then um, what we were playing today, um, we we're playing some role player, and so it's by Thunderworks Games. And so what you're doing in role player, it's a um, it's a dice building game. I, I, I guess that's the word because you're you're not deck building, but you're bringing in these dice and you're building your D and D character. Um, on your on your board, so like you would roll for your D and D stats. Oh. So you're you're buying these D sixes and you're building out your D and D character. And so the whole point is it's another point salad kind of game where you're trying to match your um, expected game stats and your alignment and your character background. And they've got all different kinds of points you need to reach depending on your strength, dexterity, constitution. And so uh, that's been super fun to do which is pretty neat. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. So we don't have a lot of time left. Ooh, but there is something that I really want to talk about that the op is doing. And then I want to shout out the other things that you can tell us okay. that the op is coming up with soon. But I saw announced along with the rebranding from USAopoly to the op at Toy Fair of 2019, um, January in New York. You guys announced a partnership with Leica Studios. We did. I'm such a big fan of Leica. So Leica, if you don't know, they have made four films. They are, I believe, the only fully stop-motion animation studio still in existence right now that doesn't use any CGI or anything like that. And they have made, most recently, Kubo and the Two Strings in 2016, The Box Trolls in 2014, Paranorman 2012, and Coraline in 2009. All nominated for Oscars, by the way. That's right. And uh, Coraline is the first The Op game to be announced in this partnership with Leica. It so, is. Uh, how did that come about, and what should we look forward to? Uh, we are so happy to be working with them. Uh, they have a lot of really cool IPs, and they're they're just a, just so much fun to work with. And they're excited to do a lot of things with us. So right now, all I can really say is we do have the the Coraline Monopoly 
coming Coraline out. Coraline Monopoly. And uh, there may be more coming out. We'll see. Well, of course there will be more coming out. <laughs> there is a formula here. And there we is. See um, it. And I think one of the fun things that we do at the op is that we are a flagship for licensed games and products. And so um, we bring just a certain amount of quality and um, sales reach. And, and when a license in a brand works with us, we're very happy to make sure that um, we can meet everything they want to meet and make sure that it's all represented correctly and wonderfully well. And so it was, it's been so much fun to work with them. And so uh, it's going to be good, good times coming up. Yes. Oh, I, I just um, stop motion animation is is so beautiful to me. It's just such an artistry to it. And it's cool that you guys are dealing with licenses that are more niche audiences and more, you know, cult favorites. Right. Uh, like Bob's Burgers, Rick mm-hmm. and Morty, all my favorite cartoons. So I was very excited to see Coraline. And then you guys are also doing some bigger license deals. Do you want to tell us about that? Well, so we did just announce our Kingdom Hearts Talisman, yes, which is super cool. So that's a that's a double license announcement because we're working with Kingdom Hearts with, with Square Enix, and then we're also working with uh, Games Workshop, and so doing Talisman, right? Uh, the very very classic game that's been republished in different editions. It has, yeah. It was currently on its fourth edition, and so we'll be doing a Kingdom Hearts Talisman, uh, which will let you play as all your favorite characters in uh, Kingdom Hearts and playing through, and you need to make sure that you shut the door and make sure the evil does not get out into the world. Ah, and yeah, so, that pesky evil. Right? Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. And so Elisa uh, Teague, um, who's done Geek Out and a lot of other games, she's one of the main designers on this game. She is a friend, and I'm getting her on this podcast soon. Oh, Don't wonderful. Don't you worry. Good. Yeah. And so uh, she, she's been working on that, which has been super fun. I'm looking forward to doing more with that. And uh, Talisman is just a blast. Um and what's the other one? Well, it's, so it's neat. And so uh, uh, depending on when this airs. Don't worry. You've got a couple weeks. Great. Um, we we will also be doing a Batman talisman game. That's what you in the future can know. <laughs> That's so funny. And so along with that, you'll be playing as the different uh, villains in um, Arkham. And you'll be trying to break out of Arkham. And you'll be uh, fighting against Batman and the other characters. So cooperative villainy. It's well, it, it's still you're trying to be the best king of Arkham, essentially. But at the same time, Batman is hunting you down, and uh, so it's all based on the uh, New Fifty Two art, and so it's all super nice art there. The miniatures are great. Same with so b- both of our Talismans games are all uh, new art for the board, and so you're going to get to explore this wonderful art piece. And along with that, they're all new miniatures that are made in house with with our team. Um, and they're all super fun, and uh, it's going to be a good the talisman you know and love, but also brought up and expanded to these new uh, licenses, which is going to be great. Well, epic. That's awesome. And uh, and we'll give you much more to put on your, your painting roster. It's true. you are a painter, are you not? I am a painter, yeah, yeah. So right now I'm painting up the miniatures for uh, Quote of the Dead Mourner's Call. Which are big and beautiful. I, I don't so think you can fun. call them miniatures. I think they're figurines at that point. Uh, well, almost, right? That's, that's what Sideshow does. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, Ross, it has been such, such, such a pleasure to have you I'm here. I'm glad to be here. Uh, tell the people where to find you. So I'm on social media, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at uh, Almost Kirk. And uh, then on Facebook, I'm uh, Ross Thompson. You can find KingdomCon at uh, KingdomCon on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Along with that, uh, you can find The Op at The Op Games or The Op or USAopoly on all social media channels. Uh, and then funny enough, uh, we'll be doing, uh, it, it'll be tomorrow, but because this will be aired later, we're going to be launching our first live stream uh, for the op tomorrow on Thursday the 7th. What are you uh, guys streaming? We're going to be calling it the op live. 
And so we're going to be uh, talking about the rebrand. We're going to talk about uh, Kingdom Hearts Talisman, Captain Marvel Bang. <gasps> And oh, I didn't even talk about that. Yeah, oh, Captain Captain yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Secret Scrolls. And then we're going to be talking about uh, the new Harry Potter Defense Against the Dark Arts two-player game. Ooh, amazing. So. Well, thank you so much, Ross, for telling us all about these things. Speaking of calls to actions, y'all better rate and review and like and share and subscribe to Victory Points, this very podcast that you are listening to. And maybe tell a friend in person that if they like games and they have ears, then they should be listening yeah. To me. Talk to my friends. It's great. <laughs> well, thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.